It is a Wednesday and a rainy one at that as I sit down to record the We Tackle Life podcast. Bruce Hooley with you. Glad to have you along. We'll talk about Ohio State, about USC firing head coach Clay Helton, about the Browns' loss to the Chiefs, the Bengals' win over the Vikings, and whether the Vikings, or excuse me, whether the Bengals and Browns uh, can win again on Sunday, given who their opponents are. Some familiar quarterbacks they are going to see, both in Cincinnati, well, both by Cincinnati, and by Cleveland. First, a shout-out to my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, the uh, attorney firm of choice of the We Tackle Life podcast. Willis Spangler Starling, located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. You'll never find a better group of people and those who are well-schooled in the law and who understand that their expertise, affinity for the law, is their way to serve you. Whether your case is wills, estate planning, probate-related, whether it's employment law, social security, disability, heaven forbid it's personal injury, but it happens Life comes at you fast, and when it does, reality hits you hard, bro. And when it does, you want the best attorney firm out there. You want Willis Spangler. Starling, they're my firm. They should be yours. Look for them online at willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. All right, the big news is that Urban Meyer is saying exactly what you would anticipate he would say, exactly what Nick Saban said, and about the Alabama job when it was open, and Nick Saban was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I will not be the head football coach at Alabama. A couple weeks later, he was. Clay Helton got fired yesterday at USC. Well, he got fired Monday at USC. Uh, Ridiculous, first of all, by USC. To have Clay Helton return this year, bail on him after two games. I know you're 0-2, but still. you got to have more commitment to Clay Helton than that. No, they don't. He's gone. Bye-bye. A... Fraught with peril tenure for Clay Helton. Ah, USC, you did what Bruce Hooley says never do. They hired the interim. So uh, that's what you get more often than not. And uh, I know they hired Ryan Day at Ohio State, you're saying, and he did fine. Yes, that's true, but he is the exception. And so Urban today at the Jaguars press conference was asked about the USC opening because that's where everybody went in their mind when Helton was fired. And Urban's exact quote about the Jaguars opening is as follows. There's no chance I'm here and committed to trying to build this organization. I would not have expected Urban to say anything else. I would doubt that he's even been contacted by USC at this point in time. I just know this. If they lose five, six more games, uh, that's going to eat him up, tear him up inside The criticism of his methods is going to continue because he's done some very college football things, getting ready for a decidedly NFL season. I I don't want this to come off like I'm critical of Urban or I doubt Urban's ability to win or anything like that. I don't. But I just think that he hates losing. And if you hate losing and you're in Jacksonville, you're going to lose for a while. Now, how hot does the fire burn in him to prove that he can coach in the National Football League. Is that his overriding motivation, or is his overriding motivation to win football games? If it's the former, he stays in Jacksonville. If it's the latter, USC might be a plausible landing spot. Because at USC, Urban will be able to do what he was able to do at Ohio State. He'll be able to select who he wants to play for him. He will have a very good chance to establish a monopoly in recruiting Southern California, which is much more talent-rich, than Ohio is. Urban will do well whatever he does, wherever he does it, in terms of recruiting. 
Uh, but the NFL is a different model when it comes to recruiting. You got to draft, you got to trade, you got to fit them under the cap, you got to judge free agents. It's very easy, uh, relatively speaking, to put together a star studded college roster where one first round pick replaces another first round pick because you can sign theoretically 25 first round picks every year. In the NFL, you can't do that. So I don't know if Urban will miss college football. I think Urban's uh, chance to win at USC would be greater than his chance to win in Jacksonville. But for now, we have to take him at his word and assume that the Jaguars are where he will stay. He's certainly not leaving in a week or two. And after a year, a lot can change. A lot can change. Uh, One thing that's not going to change, staying in the state of Florida is the quarterback at the University of Florida. And I bring him up only because he's a former Ohio State commit, Emory Jones. Everybody wanted Emory Jones, Emory Jones, Emory Jones. And then when he backed out at the last minute and signed with Florida, that was seen as a big loss. Well, Emory Jones is struggling. And Emory Jones is nevertheless going to stay the starting quarterback against Alabama this week. But Emory Jones is going to rotate with the other guy. So if you lost track of Emory Jones, that's where he is right now. As for Ohio State... If you thought I'd be coming on here today to talk about a change in quarterback, uh, no. You do not, A, uh, know Ryan Day, because Day's a quarterback guy, and C.J. Stroud threw for 484 yards in the loss to Oregon. Ohio State had problems on display against Oregon. Uh, Down the list, I'm not going to say the least of them, but down the list was the interception that C.J. Stroud threw late in the football game. I would by far, by far, put the fact that they, A, couldn't stop the run, and B, didn't establish the run much higher on the list than I would uh, C.J. Stroud's one interception. So let's tear into Ohio State's aftermath of the loss to Oregon, and let's take a look at what Ryan Day had to say yesterday regarding the defense and the way that it was gashed by Oregon in uh, the Ducks' 35-28 victory on Saturday. Ohio State has Tulsa this week. That's a no-problem, easy win game. Get used to it because it'll be the same next week against Akron. This week kicks off at 3.30. Next week kicks off at 7.30. Then they play Rutgers, and then they play Maryland. So they're going to win their next four. They're going to be 5-1 and going to Indiana Presumably they win at Indiana, then Penn State. But Indiana-Penn State back-to-back is at least they have to break a sweat to win those two games. Maybe Penn State, they have to sweat bullets to win that game. Certainly if they don't improve the defense by then, it will be a much tougher challenge. Do I think they'll improve the defense? Well, statistically, sure. Akron, Tulsa, Rutgers, Maryland, none of them are going to run for 7.1 yards per carry. None of them are going to score 35 points. In fact, they might not score 35 points total against Ohio State. It probably will because Ohio State's defense is not very good. And there are a lot of reasons why Ohio State's defense is not very good. First of all, remember when being young was an explanation? I didn't say excuse. I said explanation. Remember when being young and inexperienced was an explanation for not being very good? Yes, I know they've been in a situation before where one guy leaves for the NFL, the next guy plugs in, boom, he's just as good, if not better, he makes you forget the other guy, and you look forward to the new guy getting drafted in a couple of years. 
But about every five to eight years, there's a year where the early departures catch up to you and the guys who were elevated to play maybe a year before you were ready for them to play, that catches up to you and the avalanche arrives all at once. You don't get one or two inches of snow, figuratively speaking, about your defensive drop-off. You get a blizzard all at once, a blizzard of rushing yards, a blizzard of points, a blizzard of frustration. And in my estimation, a blizzard of desperation from Ryan Day, the head coach. Now, here's what I did not expect Ryan Ryan Day to do on Tuesday. Back away from C.J. Stroud. I figured he'd double down on his support of C.J. Stroud, and he, in fact, did do that. Talked about how C.J. Stroud has the ability to be a threat with his feet, and he also said uh, he made some throws that I haven't seen in a long time. This is not a whole lot different than the situation offensively was a few years ago when Dwayne Haskins was hesitant to run and teams were ganging up on the running back run, not honoring the zone read, making it difficult for Ohio State to run, leading to Haskins throwing for a crap ton of yards, but having trouble outscoring the opponent. That is kind of what we saw Saturday. I'm sure they'll work with C.J. Stroud this week on, hey, occasionally you got to pull that sucker down and run it on the zone read. you got to keep that defense honest. And ironically, Stroud entered this year having not thrown, not just a touchdown pass, but having not thrown a pass. But he had a touchdown run, and a pretty good one. 35 yards, I think it was, against Michigan State. So yes, he can run, and yes, I think he will run, and that will make things easier for Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. And I'm still like aghast that my guy, Master Teague, has not gotten out there since the season opener. Master Teague, where are you, dude? Uh, So now, so I knew Ryan Day was not going to throw C.J. Stroud under the bus. But I did not expect Ryan Day to throw Kerry Combs and the defense under the bus. I know the defense looked bad against Oregon, and I know it looked bad against Bama and bad against Minnesota. Nevertheless, I thought Ryan Day's talent as a leader would compel him to be a bully, uh, not a bully, a target, to take the bullet for his defense. It's on me. I'm the head coach. They don't do anything I don't sanction. That kind of stuff. Instead, hmm, that's not where he went. Ryan Day talked about We're going to get some things over there fixed. No hard decisions have been made that way yet. I'm not happy about that at all, Day said, of the defensive performance. That part of the deal is that for me to do what I do on offense, I need the defense really on point and the special teams on point. Hmm. He tried to salvage it by saying, yeah, I need Mark Pantone to do a good job recruiting Mickey Marotti, handle strength conditioning. The minute I get taken away for those things, it affects everything else going on on the offense. To be honest, I'm disappointed. Okay, well, welcome to being a head coach. That's your job, dude. And he's not saying that it's not his job. I'm just saying, don't complain about that being your job. You recruited Kerry Combs to come and be your defensive coordinator. He didn't have defensive coordinator on his resume. His first year was a challenging year with COVID and with lack of work over the summer and all those kinds of things. So it's just a little bit, don't blame me, blame him, kind of a vibe that Day is giving off. And I think Combs, 
I, I, if I'm Combs, I'm like, I don't love that. Urban Meyer, who brought Combs to Ohio State, would certainly not be someone who would take the bullet and not hold his guys accountable. <laughs> we all remember the post 31 nothing loss to Clemson. Uh, that's not us. That That's not going to happen again. That's never going to happen again. And then, boom, uh, bye-bye were uh, two guys on offense. I think uh, Ed Warriner and oh, who was the other guy? He ended up at Texas. Um, the name that's coming to my mind to know is not right, so I'm not going to mention it. But anyway, Urban was not shy about that. Remember when he said his wide receivers were a dumpster fire when he first got to Ohio State? So Urban was plain-spoken. I think Ryan can be plain spoken, but here's the difference. Urban Meyer can be plain spoken. He's got two rings when he came to Columbus, three after he was here a couple years. Ryan, that was his first regular season loss. He looks like he's got magic dust on him. I just don't think that's the best way for Ryan Day to kind of passively, aggressively come at Kerry Combs. Kerry Combs knows his defense is underperforming. Kerry Combs knows his defense has to perform much better. He doesn't need Ryan Day to tell him that. Kerry Combs understands that. Does it drive a wedge between them to where now it's dysfunctional and all that? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I would prefer if I'm Combs, and I think it would be better for the program in general if Ryan wouldn't encourage what is already at a fever pitch regarding Kerry Combs. He's incompetent. He's got to go. He better be fired. I read this delusional rant after the game that popped up on my, I think it was my Google News Feed, after the game Saturday from somebody I'd never heard of before calling for the immediate dismissal of Kerry Combs and Al Washington. Okay. Did I dream when Tennessee came after Al Washington as defensive coordinator and all Ohio State nation went apoplectic? Oh, my goodness, we might lose Al Washington. Oh, what if we lose Al Washington? Oh, he's going to go to Tennessee. Oh, my goodness, Al Washington is a great recruiter, and he came here from Michigan, and we can't live without Al Washington. And now they lose one game, and you're ready to, like, fire Al Washington in the middle of the season. Stupid overreaction. Sometimes the other team is well-coached, too. Sometimes their players play well, too. And sometimes you got to take an L, support each other, ding, 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 and move on with your life. And that's where Ohio State is right now as it gets ready to play Tulsa at 3.30 p.m. Saturday. If you'd like to move on past all these crazy government stipulations on vaccines and mandates and you're a business owner and you don't have the first clue what you're allowed to do, say, insist on from your employees. And you know if you say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, insist on the wrong thing, you could put yourself out of business and end up in front of my friends at Willis Spangler's Darling because you need an attorney. You need an ally in business. You need somebody who has the answers, somebody who can help you. I've got them. AUIinfo.com. AUI is Chrissy. It's Julie. It's Steve. It's their other 14 employees. It's a small business and they understand how lost you can become trying to do payroll and ordering and staffing and all the things you do as a business owner. And when it comes to insurance benefits and state rules compliance and HR training and all that, you just like to have somebody you could reach out to and say, 
what do I do here? What do you recommend? Am I getting what I'm spending? Am I getting my money's worth out of what I'm spending on benefits? And you don't want, and it'd be even better in this pie in the sky utopian world that I just announced where there's actually a person who can answer those questions for you as a business owner. In my unicorns flying world, that person would give you the information and wouldn't charge you. Yes, I'm here to tell you that's how it works. AUINFO.com provides the information free to you. They get paid by the companies you choose to do business with, but they're the connector, okay? And they can help you get through these very, very uncertain times. Reach out to them, type your questions into their chat, call them, visit with them over the phone, in person, on the web, auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com. Okay, to the NFL ranks and what is a weird, weird weekend of NFL football for our Ohio teams in that your Cleveland Browns uh, are taking on the Houston Texans. Uh, They get them at home because the Brownies played on the road last week. It is the triumphant return to Cleveland of Browns, former Browns great Tyrod Taylor. (laughs) With... Deshaun Watson out for the Texans. Tyrod Taylor is back. And Tyrod, who was uh, foolishly installed as the starter without giving uh, Baker Mayfield a chance to win the job, Tyrod Taylor rang up 37 big points against Urban Meyer's Jacksonville Jaguars last week. And so here he comes, sailing into Cleveland. And you know, Tyrod, I guess is how we say his name, would love to stick it to the Brownies. Uh, Baker Mayfield uh, undid the Browns' hopes of coming back and winning at Kansas City. His uh, quarterback rating was a very, very modest 60.2. He will not have Odell Beckham Jr. this week because Kevin Stefanski today said Odell Beckham Jr. is out, O-U-T, out of that game. I think it's a smart move by Stefanski to make the decision in the middle of the week, not before the game like he did last week. I'm not saying it's a smart decision to hold OBJ out. I'm just saying it's a smart decision to get the decision out of the way so you know what you have as you go into this game. So Browns against the Texans, 1 o'clock game Sunday, and that is on CBS. Bengals are on Fox. Sorry, you won't get Nance and Romo. You'll get somebody else. But you will be on Fox, and you'll be at Chicago, which means, hey, you'll see Justin Fields, and you'll see Andy Dalton. That's right. Both the Bengals and the Browns get to see the ghost of quarterbacks past. To Rod Taylor, who was the last Browns starting quarterback before Baker Mayfield, and Andy Dalton, who was the last Bengals starting quarterback before Joe Burrow. Joey B with the 68.3 QBR last week rallied the Bengals in overtime to get them a win over the Minnesota Vikings. You uh, need to go buy Bitcoin or invest in a penny stock or something if you had the Bengals winning last week and the Browns and the Buckeyes losing. Browns losing, I could see. Buckeyes, I did not see that one coming. So uh, Bengals and Browns both have interesting games this week, and I'll have more about those games on Friday. Now, final ad read goes to our friends, of course, at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Hemisphere Phenomenal Coffee. I was having a conversation this morning with my man, Nick Johnson, who teaches marketing at a local high school in Columbus. And Nick uh, puts the uh, marketing in action with his students, and they have a little coffee shop that they run at their school. And so I was talking to Nick, and I said, Nick, 
would you like to have a relationship with Hemisphere Coffee? And he's like, already working on that. And he extolled the, uh, what was it? The Jamaica Me Crazy, the Breakfast Blend, the uh, House Blend. Uh, so he knows, and all of you know, who've ordered from Hemisphere, that their coffee's phenomenal, and you'll love it. And you'll get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. We tackle life in all caps. Get 15% off at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. All right, time now for the faith portion of the podcast. And in the faith portion of the podcast today, I would like to talk about pastors and focus. I was listening to a pastor from Covenant Presbyterian Church in Upper Arlington speak to the Upper Arlington High School, excuse me, Upper Arlington School Board, Upper Arlington Board of Education. This pastor was uh, thanking the board for uh, prioritizing and instituting some very liberal policies in the school. I'm not going to talk about my viewpoint on those particular things. You can probably guess if you listen to my radio show at 98.9 The Answer, you can certainly hear um, my viewpoints on that. I try not to bring them to the podcast. But what the pastor said uh, near the end of his remarks is what troubles me and what I would like to bring to you today. In the matter of focus in sports, you must have your mind on your business, right? How frustrating is it when you see a wide receiver jump offside prior to the snap count? There's no reason for a wide receiver to try to get the jump on a cornerback. He simply lost track of the snap count. It's a mental error. It's a lapse in focus. It hurts the team. Similarly, in our Christian lives, um, individuals can lose their focus. We can get locked in on things that are important, things are good, things that need to be done, taking care of our work. Uh, being spending time with our family, spending quality time with our spouse, all those things are important, and you cannot exclude those things. But you cannot ever lose sight of the fact that you also have to do your own personal spiritual maintenance. You have to be reading your Bible. You have to be praying. You have to have time to grow your own closeness to God. And I understand that pastors like this gentleman from Covenant Presbyterian Church can get caught up in a lot of great things, social efforts and buzzwords that, you know, seem like they'd be right up the alley of a man of God, a man of the cloth, you know, uh, making sure that everybody gets fair treatment and equitable treatment and this, that, and the other. So this pastor was speaking about that and extolling the virtues of that with the Upper Arlington School Board, and he said, I understand that all of you don't share my faith. And then he said, and I actually don't all want you to because the strength or something great about living in a multi-ethnic culture is that not everyone believes the same. Hmm. Now, this is a loss of focus for this pastor because any pastor of the Christian religion should be first and foremost about performing the Great Commission, which is go into all the world, um, make disciples of all the nations, 
teaching them to obey my commandments, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission. That is job one for this pastor, this Presbyterian pastor. Job one is not equitable, fairness, justice, buzzword this, buzzword that, community this, community that. No. Job one is to get people to come to faith in Jesus Christ, saving faith in Jesus Christ. We don't, we're not trying to build a cool club. We're trying to save people from a life of eternal torment and damnation because they did not accept what Jesus did for them at the cross, which makes available to them, they have to claim it, to get it, the gift of grace and salvation and forgiveness and restoration. That's job one. It's not egotistical, intolerant, or ego, you know, egomaniacal to say, come on over here to the Christian faith. We got a great way of doing things. Be proud of that. I know pride's a sin. Okay. Be infused with the joy of that and market it and get her done, man. That's the great commission. That can lose its priority to you, to me, and to a pastor. Years ago, I'll tell you another story. Years ago, I sat on a youth pastor selection committee, and we were interviewing young people straight out of seminary to be youth pastors. And I had only one question that I wanted to ask these youth pastor candidates. Everybody else had questions about programs and singing and this and that and the other and all that how they were going to integrate with the local high school, how are they going to grow our youth group, how, 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 why, 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 what, what, what. I had one question, one. And that question was, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven and why? And there's only one answer to that question. And the answer is, yes, I would go to heaven because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and his death at the cross made available to me atonement for my sin, and I will be welcomed into eternity by God because he sees me as perfect because Jesus was perfect and because I have claimed Jesus' perfection as my own. That's the answer. There's only one answer. And one of those candidates said, well, yeah, I would go to heaven because... I'm a good person. I try to do nice things for other people. I try to be kind to other people. And that's great, but it's not the right answer. There's only one right answer, and the right answer is Jesus. <laughs> okay? So, pastor at Covenant Presbyterian, podcaster Bruce Hooley, you listening to said podcast, focus. Do the work you've been charged with doing by the Savior whose perfection, death on the cross, and atonement for your sin is the only reason you are able to live with the peace and assurance that you will spend eternity in heaven. Everything else is darkness. Everything else is nonsense. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, 
but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is in building the size of your church, or the size of your bank account, or the amount of friends you have, or your country club membership, or justice for this, that, or the other, or raising money for the poor, or anything, there's nothing wrong with any or all of that. But if it comes by being elevated, if it becomes a priority over your recognition that you are acceptable in God's sight only because of what Jesus did for you, and that your main job is to make sure others know that and claim that for themselves, and you have lost your focus, and you are not doing what Jesus asked you to do. And that is not what we are called to do and how we thank him for what he did for us. So with that, I hope you have a great Wednesday. See you Friday on the We Tackle Life podcast.